1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 96 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Joining me for this momentous occasion in an episode of Baseball Talk is Eric Cole. What's up, man?
0: Hey, man. How are you?
1: I'm good. Uh, you know, just uh, off the top here, um, this podcast is not always known for being the most positive, um, but the move the Braves did this weekend um, is one that I love, I think you love, and generally... Uh, I think everybody that I've seen at Talking Chop that I've discussed this with seems to love. So uh, it's going to be one of those things where we're actually positive for the most part on this on this episode.
0: We're going to be positive about the move. We're not going to be particularly positive about some of the takes that have been floating around about some parts of it, but overall, really a fantastic move. I'm I'm pretty excited to talk about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, not everybody was. Uh, bulletproof in the reactions as you mentioned there but uh just for the long and short of this thing uh the Braves made a trade on Saturday I'd imagine anybody listening to this podcast by now would have uh known that this happened but uh if you were somewhere under a rock it is the holiday season so perhaps you were traveling and your first catch up is this podcast if that's the case I really appreciate having you um but the Braves completed a five-player trade on Saturday in which they sent Matt Kemp back to the Los Angeles Dodgers And uh, in exchange for Matt Camp, they got Brandon McCarthy and Scott Casimir, a uh, duo of veteran starting pitchers, a utility guy, and Charlie Culberson, the rights to Adrian Gonzalez, who they immediately designated for assignment, and then we'll talk about that in a second, and cash considerations. Um, Basically, you know, there's a lot to... uh, wade through here a couple of different layers to hit on here i guess the biggest thing is that of course this is basically all about money and people want to make that and some people want to make that into a bad thing i think it's actually kind of brilliant um because you know long and short of this thing is that the braves are taking on a ton of money for 2018 in order to clear the books for 2019
0: yeah and that i mean it's definitely the biggest takeaway because i mean the braves immediately dfa'd adrian gonzalez as per their agreement with him by
1: by, Um, by request we we should know (laughs) Because Gonzalez yeah. wanted no part of uh, not necessarily Atlanta, but if he was going to get traded, he did not want to be uh, locked in behind Freddie Freeman, which is not 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 the greatest thing in the world by any means.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a perfectly reasonable request, and the Braves, you know, look, the Braves had. A perfect trade partner in the Dodgers for this type of money move because the Dodgers wanted to get another luxury tax so that they could possibly either make some moves this year or actually make moves the next year, and they were just, their money was tied up in weird ways that they wanted to make sure that they can you know be more flexible over the next two years. They have a different playoff window than the Braves do. Uh, the 2018 team for the Braves, if they do make a, like a really good run next year, it's going to be on the back of young guys because this free agent market is abysmal, and the trade market really hasn't been shaping up for any team uh, with the notable exception of the New York Yankees, I guess, but um, o- overall it's just not a particularly great market to make moves to acquire players to really make a move to be super competitive this year anyway. So if that's the case and you know that this free agent class that comes after the 2018 season, which as of this moment in time is insane, uh, you know, lots of notable well, both pitcher both pitchers and you know pitchers and position players that are going to be available, including several that would probably interest the Braves, especially if they have the money. Um, the Braves don't have that financial, you know, they don't have that financial commitment to Matt Kemp anymore, and I think there's only three players that are going to be under contract for after 2018, like, you know, like officially under contract for, you know, beyond, you know, the pre-arbitration-eligible the players, so overall, I'm excited about it, and more importantly, I mean, the reality with Matt Kemp is there's just no upside to him anymore, you know, he'll hit some home runs, and that's literally all he does, he grounds into a lot of double plays, which mitigates some of his value, he has no value with his legs anymore, and he's abysmal on defense, and anyone who watches him play isn't excited to have him on a, on the team he just does he's not he's not a dynamic player and you know sure he'll hit a home run every once in a while because he's just so strong but you know he kind has lingering hamstring issues has those lingering hip issues is clearly not doesn't move around very well you know his conditioning uh, t- for lack of a better term was inconsistent at best and but with the trade i mean even if it's you know of equal value. You still like the trade because it gives the Braves the financial flexibility for after 2018. But I mean, if Brendan McCarthy stays healthy, I mean he had real value on the mount, on, on the mound last year. That's a big gift because Brendan McCarthy is not known to be a healthy pitcher. And same goes for Scott Kazmir, who I'm, uh, I'm I would say less bullish on as being a super big contributor. That's more that's more just part of the money part. Uh, but I mean, like there is upside. I mean, like if McCarthy can you know stitch together at least a half of an okay season, you know, while the guy, you know, guys like Mike Soroka, Colby Allard, guys like that get more seasoning in the minors. I mean, that's a that's a big win for the Braves because that's one less thing they have to worry about. They were looking to get a number five starter anyway, and that's I'm 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 super happy about it. It's overall, I'm just super happy.
1: Yeah, it's a great thing. And but just, let's just talk about the money for a second. You know, Kemp was set to make twenty plus million for 2018 and 2019. Um, the Braves are taking a lot of money, as we talked, as we talked, talked, talked about a second ago. Scott Casimir is owed 17.6 million for 2018. Brandon McCarthy is owed 11.5 million for 2018, and the Braves have, uh, of course, already uh, parted ways with Adrian Gonzalez. They'll, they'll be paying him about 20 million dollars or so. So, not uh, not not a, not a small uh, term, not a small commitment in terms of money. But all these guys are expiring after 2018, which is the very very important part of this. And uh, I'm glad you talked about McCarthy. Let's talk about McCarthy for a second because. That was a big part of this thing being sold to me um, in a good way, of course, is that McCarthy, as you mentioned, was very good last year. It was sort of an interesting role. By the time the playoffs were around, he was actually coming out of the bullpen, but that was more of a function of the Dodgers having a ton of starting pitching. But he was quite good when he was healthy and available. He's not always healthy, as you said. But still, um, this is a guy who makes a ton of sense for the Braves because you know I thought for sh- almost for sure they were going to go out and sign somebody to fill that fifth starter, quote unquote, job before season started. And now they don't have to do that. They can roll with McCarthy in that spot. He is healthy at the moment. And uh, that's sort of your R.A. Dickey, Bartolo Colon-like move, except they don't have to actually sign him. He's just part of this deal. And honestly, um, when he's healthy, he's a better pitcher than those guys are. So... You know, there's some risk there, but uh, the risk is honestly mitigated because of the fact that I think the Braves would have done this deal even if McCarthy didn't have any sort of on-field ability honestly it would have made still still made sense and that's sort of the case with Casimir who's making even more money and has more health problems Casimir was of course awesome for a little while earlier in his career but last year I think he did he even make it a major league start last year I'm not sure he did um he, I think he missed if not the entire year most of the year with the Dodgers and yeah I'm
0: I'm reasonably certain he didn't make a he didn't throw a pitch last year he has like a, I know he, he came back problem. late yeah. yeah yeah he was he was he was making rehab starts in the minor leagues that much I know for sure I and I'm Ninety-nine point nine percent certain he didn't make us making a major league appearance, and he had a, he had a hip thing, and like again, it's just kind of it's worth noting too. Alex Anthopoulos of all people knows these guys. Correct. So it's entirely possible that you know it's kind of you know crazy like a Fox were like okay these are the players so yeah sure we'll take on that money no problem and if you get if imagine a world in which Brendan McCarthy puts up like. I don't know, two war in the first half of the season, and then the Braves flip him for an actual asset. If he's completely, <laughs> like, that 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 would be what's insane to me. Because, like, you know, let's say, assume, like, you know, Mike Soroka, Colby Allard, some one of those guys is like, okay, they're ready. It's time to call him up. And then you can actually get rid of someone who is literally just salary. Or, you know, if by some miracle Scott Kazmir, you know, finds his lost velocity and, you know, is pitching well, whether it be out of the bullpen or in a spot start here and there. I mean, and, you know, the team wants him. I mean, there are pieces, especially starting pitching, that you can flip at the trade deadline. Given all the depth that the Braves have in the minor league system, and you know, it's kind of been sold to us, or at least it's been implied that you know a lot of these guys are we're going to start seeing them starting next year at some point. You know, these are all flippable assets. Matt Kemp was not a flippable asset. He was just dead money. We've already seen that. By the way, the Dodgers
1: Dodgers would love to move him right now, and they basically can't. It's already apparent that they, they actually might DFA him. And because they have they have crazy money, they can afford to do that. The Braves were not in the spot, PR wise, financially, where they could just send the guy home for two years. Whereas the Dodgers probably can do that. They'll they'll at least try, maybe, to flip him again. Uh, throughout the offseason but if they're not able to do that they're actually willing to cut him in the way the Braves weren't so that's part of this too is that well
0: and there's i mean there's financial reasons on the Dodgers and beyond just they have tons of money and can do that i mean the luxury tax penalties you know they because if they can get under the luxury tax i mean that you know that basically resets their their luxury tax clock where you know like in the, the, being over luxury tax it gets worse and worse each year if they can get under it resets their clock and allows them to sign guys i mean it ends up being cheaper for them in the long run just because of where they operate their payroll the Braves don't operate that way and you know right now i mean i'm just kind of looking at it briefly and like you know right now the braves opening day payroll looks like it's going to be a little over 100 million obviously it's going to be more than that once they sign guys you know here and there but you know that it's it definitely takes them out of the running for the big guys unless there's a big jump in payroll um but after but after the 2018 season they have freddie freeman at 21 million julio tehran at 11 million which is worth noting he's been being shopped oh yeah and enter NCRT at five point seven million, which is probably the best bargain in Major League Baseball. Which, assuming that all three of those guys are still on the roster, I mean that's that that's like a that's third that's a that's a payroll of thirty five million dollars. Obviously, not including arbitration and all those guys. So there, there's a lot of payroll flexibility for a free agent market that's going to include, you know, possibly Clayton Kershaw. He opts out. I mean, Manny Machado is going to be around. Bryce Harper is going to be a thing. I mean. It's it's going to be exciting after next season just to see if what kind of moves, if any, the brave. Well, I say if any. If they don't make any moves, and I'm pretty sure there'll be a fan riot, but... <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: I mean, let's let's talk about that. I mean, because the thing is, the overarching thing here, and a lot of the reactions are because the fact that, you know, on paper, um, you know, there are some people that are higher Matt Kemp than you and I, and they might think that the Braves were sort of doing a weird rebuilding move here. I'm not seeing that at all, uh, just to be kind. Um, I think it makes... So much sense to take on more money now to clear for 2019. Um, I guess the opposition to that would be if you thought the Braves were going to make some big splash this winter uh, and and try to compete for the 2018 World Series, which was never a likely outcome. So I don't think that was – unless you were already dug into that viewpoint – um that's the only argument against this kind of move because the at, at the end of the day the money is neutral overall um multiple I, outlets reporting that the Dodgers are sending basically the difference between the the 50 plus million or so that the Braves are I'm, taking on here and then the 40 whatever it was 44 or that,
0: whatever it is for Matt Kemp go ahead that well, that's not even an argument like even if you I'm want the team you. to be oh, 100%. better 100% if you want the team to be better this deal is still the one you want. There are, I understand, there are people who exist that think that Matt Kemp is the best power-hitting left, field left fielder in the National League. Those people are incorrect, for one, and two. His overall value to a team is bare is barely above replacement level at best. Whereas, if you can get if you can get Ronald Acuna, which is you know, you know, to bury the lead. This is the one of the reasons to be really excited about the trade because this allows that opening to be exist. Or if you get, even if Lane Adams is patrolling left field for the entirety of 2018, he can play outfield and he can hit. You I mean is he going to maybe probably not put as many home runs up as Matt Kemp does, but I guarantee you he'd probably hit for a better average and at least be an all, all better all around bl- baseball player. And you have a chance in the rotation of like getting some real upside from McCarthy, or you can act- if McCarthy and Casimir don't b- work out in the rotation, you have the depth in the minor league system to bring up guys who, again, we there is a certain amount of hope with prospects, and I, I won't pretend to think that you know all of these guys are going to work out, but the chances are better that. The result of this trade ends up being better for the Braves in 2018. Not just 2019. In 2018, the results for the Braves end up being better than pre trade. I I don't understand. I mean, I know these people exist that, you know, they think it's, oh, here comes another rebuild. But those people. Yeah. And. (laughs) Those people do not watch Matt Kemp play baseball. I just do not. I, I was in the left field home run porch for multiple games, and I got a front row seat to watching that guy play both at the plate and on defense. And it's not there.
1: No, I'm, it's, I'm not, it's I'm, not. I'm
0: not. And you know, and if you're banking on him just to like you know find his you know early twenties athleticism and abilities, then but Eric, you know,
1: wait. Eric, he's in the best shape of his life.
0: I, yeah, I, I, so I've heard that three or four years in a row now. And, and, <laughs> exactly. It was funny know. to
1: see all the Braves fans reacting to that was pretty amusing, especially people that pay attention to the level that you and I do, uh, people that we trust. It was kind of a uh, a unanimous kind of chuckle at the thought of him being in the best shape of his life. Like, congratulations, he might be. He looked like he, he was in better shape last year, and then you know, two months yeah, later, and, he had and, ballooned again. And, and
0: he had was, he he had gotten in he had gotten in great shape. He started off the year well. And He could not keep it up. He kept getting injured, and he kept gaining weight. And all of a sudden, it was rollers at second base and rollers to short, double plays. The occasional he would occasionally get a hold of one, but that was it. Yeah, and
1: it is. The thing is, I'm with you 100 on all of that when it comes to 2018. And of course, yeah, Okuna was kind of Okuna is kind of what we're trying to save here a little bit because that's obviously a big part of this. Um, you know, Brace fans have been wanting to see him for a while. He was not the only impetus to move back camp. We should say that. I know you're not saying that. Um, um, it's one of those things where. It's the only one
0: you need, Brad. It's I the only one.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, there were, there were plenty of reasons to move back camp. Uh, even if Ronald Acuna was not on the, on the team, um, I would have wanted to move back camp. So it was not all about that. Um, at the same time, it is a pretty obvious thing here to where he may not start. The, he may not start opening day for uh, you know arb, arb clock reasons, but he'll be up soon. I can't imagine a, a scenario now where he's not um, on the team by May. Um, to be honest with you, so that, there's something to be uh, talking about there, which we'll definitely discuss. But yeah, in a vacuum here, I would have done this trade just to part ways with Matt Kemp and get to, get 2019 off the books. Um, Brandon McCarthy really helps because again, they were going to probably sign somebody in that. You know, eight to ten million dollar range to be the fifth starter. They did. They did it last year. They, in fact, they, they signed two guys last year to fill that role. in Cologne and Dickey. Um, with this, you get a guy who has more upside than those guys did, and who's about the same price. And you and you do it while flipping off Matt Kemp. It makes too much sense in the world. And you know, Casmir too. Like, I, I have very low expectations for Matt, for Scott Casmir but uh, he has talent. You know, Two years ago, he was very, very good. He had an ERA in the low threes. You know, the, the velocity, as you mentioned before, was kind of gone last year. He's certainly not been healthy. But it's a free flyer on him. If he's gone, if, you, if he can't do anything for you, then that's just a sunk cost. But that's money that you knew you were taking on for a flyer. So I don't know. I, I'm with you 100% here. I mean, there were so many um, negative reactions to this deal that I was questioning my sanity. To be honest with you, in the immediate aftermath of this thing, like, am I reading this wrong or are people just this silly? And no, they were this silly. Um, yeah. but it is what it, it is, though. I mean, I, <laughs> it's a silly thing.
0: And just, you know, we, we talked a little bit before the podcast about, you know, Charlie Culberson and Lot of things. His, 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 his major league career has not been good. It's just, there's no getting around that. He has, I mean, he hasn't been able to hold a major league job. Um, and the assertions that uh, I think it was Anthopolis that says he plays gold glo- gold glove defense at shortstop, uh, I I question the the veracity of that claim. I guess, but it's worth noting that like, one Anthopoulos really knows this guy, and they he could he could have seen things that or known things about him that make him think that there's more value there. Um, he's a utility guy. The, pro- the the biggest problem with Culberson is that even if he ends up being okay, is like is he really better than Yo- Johan Camargo? Probably not. And that mean like how many utility guys can you really foster on a bench, especially one that has a questionable hit tool? I guess.
1: Well, there were there were a lot of people jumping to Camargo as a starting as a starting third baseman and Culberson in this utility role. And yeah, I mean I have a full ramp prepared that I probably won't deliver now about Culberson, but this is a guy with a career forty eight WRC plus. He can't hit, and he's almost twenty nine years old. Like I, I get that he was sort of a fun player in the playoffs for the Dodgers. He's a utility guy in. Some way, and the defense is good, um, and he can play shortstop. So I understand all that, but he's not a, he's not a selling point for me. I understand that he he can compete for a roster spot. He may make he might make the team if they don't make other moves and all that stuff. But um, people are like, oh, you know, and they get Charlie Culberson. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's not really a selling point for me. He's more of a guy who, honestly, Jace Peterson's better than Charlie Culberson at at, at baseball. That, that's my opinion. I think Culberson's a better defender at shortstop. So I guess that would be the the check the checkpoint in his in his column, but. When you have Albies and Swanson on the roster, I don't really care about that. Because if you've got a long-term injury to Swanson, I think you probably just play Albies at shortstop. That's just me. Um, but or, or Camargo, whatever you want to do there. But yeah, I don't really care about Culberson at all. But I, I do understand that he's a guy people at least recognize because he was a prominent figure in the playoffs and some emergency stuff. And he was playing uh, in place of... Um, it, it plays with Corey Seager in the playoffs, all that stuff, but he's not really
0: worth it. And he, and he definitely has some. He has some pedigree, you know, in terms sure. of like you know being a prospect, and you know he's a, a local kid, and you know maybe maybe that ends up being good for him. Twenty nine in, uh, in April.
1: Twenty nine years old
0: in April. Well, yeah. Again, the, I would like bet money on it. Yes, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's it, it's a, like it's a non-zero consideration, I guess. But, you know, if you're th- th- he's not the important part, I guess, is what, what I'm trying to say is that people are thinking he's going to come in and light the world on fires. So it's very unlikely. Um, uh, but at the same time, like none of these pieces that came back with the exception of Adrian Gonzalez. And again, that's because like he was just never it was never going to happen in terms of playing time or even a consideration. Uh, he was a he was a brave for about three minutes. Um, but you know, like none of these pieces I hate, you know, like if oh. the, if the police, you know, at least take a peek at and overall, like it's, there's a lot to like about it. I do. I actually do want to talk a little bit about this Ronald Acuna situation though, because Oh yes, let's do it. That's a big, so, that's, a big uh, that's a big part of it because
1: listen, everybody's going to be like, Oh, opening day starter. And it's like, eh, maybe not. We'll see.
0: So we had Dan Zimborski on the podcast, uh, over on road to Atlanta, uh, this past week. And you know, we were just talking to him about player projections and kind of how it works and how he projects prospects and what's the, you know, what, what works and what doesn't. And, and, you know, Dan was great. He was, he was super helpful. And we, we, he had mentioned that, you know, like the Ronald Acuna zips projections, which is the projection system that Dan uses uh, are bananas for Acuna. So we couldn't help but ask him, you know, like, you know, like how bananas are we talking? And he's like, well, hold on, let me pull them up for you. Do you have a guess on what zips, which is generally a pretty conservative estimate in terms of war, uh, generally, is what? What would you guess that they have for for these very soon to be uh, tomorrow? Actually, he turns twenty. The soon to be twenty-year-old uh, Ronald Acuna. War
1: what prediction twenty eighteen. Um, this is very conservative. I feel, like tra- I feel like you're trying to trick me. I will say two point two.
0: Two point nine.
1: That is. Uh, I was trying to be high. So yeah, that that's preposterous for someone who just turned twenty. Um, Obviously, we know he's an incredible prospect, but
0: and and again and, and again for a projection system that is not known for you know making big jumps on guys the 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 only two got the only two ones that were like have been like that he, he brought up two names that had been high as rookies like projection wise that were higher than Acuna's were Chris Bryant and Mike Trout <laughs> and those ended up being right so you know. There's a lot of reasons to like the idea of having Ronald Acuna in the outfield. There's obvious reasons to, in terms of service time, that you don't, that maybe he doesn't start on opening day, but you know, I, I'm of the opinion, you know, if he's the best player, he should be out there. But I understand the the economics of baseball, especially with a guy like that who could end up being, you know, an all world type player. Um, and we've loved him for a long time, so I want to be as brave as long as humanly possible too. So it's kind of a conflicting emotion for me, but.
1: It's one of those philosophical things, to be honest with you. We'll t- I'm sure we'll talk about this um, you know, in March and April, um, especially if they don't bring him up. But it's one of those things where everybody knows that he's the best option. I think that's pretty common, now, especially because, I mean, the other option is Lane Adams. And I like Lane Adams, but I just don't see a scenario where he, quote-unquote, beats out Ronald Acuna for a job in terms of just, just playing on the field. Right I love
0: I love Lane. as like a really good fourth outfielder. Just right. getting guys he's breaks. I,
1: I mean, he It's a good guy to have on the roster. He can play everywhere. I, I like Lane Adams a lot. Um, but yes, uh, so it becomes a philosophical thing. Like, in terms of, in terms of, from the Braves perspective, it would certainly be helpful to have him under control for another year, um, without getting too deep into the arb stuff. Um, if you hold him out a certain amount of time and cross a fictional deadline, uh, he becomes a guy who you have his arb his arb clock starts on one year later. Um, with that said. You get in that spot where you can get in some hot water when you're talking about a guy intentionally being held down for arbitration purposes. You know, Chris Bryant's the last, you know, super prominent one that this happened to. Um, so it's, yep. it's sort, it's sort of I mean, a moral I mean, thing, honestly. It's like well,
0: it, it's a moral thing, and also, I mean, there's relations with that player that you have to kind of keep in mind. Like true. you know, you know, like if you're going to try to keep a good relationship with that player, maybe trying not to keep him, you know, down so long as to, you know, basically costing him money. You know, is that really going to be a guy that you're going to be easily easily extend later on in his career? And that's that's I mean that's a, that's definitely trickier. Um, I want to ask you a question though. Okay, I'm gonna flip the script a little bit. The Braves traded Matt Kemp, which gives presumably and the big one of the big things was like at least giving Acuna the opportunity a slot to play in. Do you think that means the Braves are done trying to trade away Nick Markakis?
1: No, not a chance. I think it lessens the urgency of doing it because coming into the offseason I was certainly on the please trade both of them um, side of things, but it was always the situation where I thought they would absolutely get rid of one of them by somehow some way. And two was always sort of a pipe dream in my opinion. Now it feels more realistic because you parted ways with Kemp in the way that you did. So, and it wasn't this like, Terrible deal that you had to make to get rid of him. It actually makes a lot of sense. Um, but when it comes to Marquez, the urgency goes away because there isn't that natural replacement for him. So unless you're going to go out and have a plan to fill that spot, um, the, the urgency goes away because he's expiring as well. Like Kemp was always the one that, you know, with two years left. You know, 2019 was going to be the problem year. Obviously, they're both problem years. But 2019 is even worse. Whereas Marquez, you can sort of you could probably justify riding him out for one more year at 11 million dollars. Playing him, we we need to talk about left field versus right field at some point in the next uh, few minutes here. Um, But yeah, it's. I think they certainly would try to still trade him because I don't see why you wouldn't. He's not a guy who I would love to have around, but I'm I'm at a point now where I'm okay if he's playing left field on Opening Day.
0: Is that happening? I'm. uh,
1: I don't know because listen, there is absolutely no rhyme or reason from a skill perspective why Marquez would be playing right field and, Mar- and, and Acuna would, would be playing left field. That makes absolutely no sense.
0: Uh, I, I, I think that's also true of Lane Adams, to be, to be honest.
1: Uh, agreed. It's just less egregious, if that makes sense, because of Acuna's... Sure. I mean, Acuna, Acuna playing left with Markekis and right is just like, offensive to every sensibility that I have in the world. And it's not... When Marquez is playing right with Kemp and left, you understand why he's playing right, because Kemp is so bad. Um, But Martakis, at this point in time, he has no arm and no range. Um, In left field, he wouldn't be good, but in terms of when you compare him to the other left fielders around the league in defense, defensively, he wouldn't be egregiously bad because a lot of teams hide bad defenders in left field. And he's not an atrocious defender. He'll catch the ball when it's hit to him. He'll be fundamentally sound. We've talked about this a hundred times, but his weaknesses are magnified in right field in a way that they wouldn't be in left field.
0: Uh, couldn't agree more. So I, I hope they I, I do hope that they still explore trades and I think he's also it's a little easier to do a trade for him too. Uh, this one required a certain amount of creativity and the right partner. but you know with Marcus I me mean, on an expiring contract for a team that just might need someone who you know knows how to play baseball, uh, maybe he's not particularly valuable anymore, but you know he does he does some things. That can be valuable, especially in terms of like you know just needing someone who can well at, at the very least catch the balls that hit, hit hit to him and you know spray around some doubles. The, that's that has that, that that doesn't have zero value and especially with no risk really attached to a contract or anything like that. So uh, I hope they continue to at least explore that option because I think improving defensively and uh, is an important thing, especially in the outfield with all these young guys coming up. Uh, well, it remains to be seen exactly how high that that's prioritized, though, because if they are really kind of committed to doing that, uh, that's kind of problem area one B with third base kind of being <laughs> right there.
1: I I just think I mean it wouldn't would it, would it surprise you if they dealt Markakis? It wouldn't surprise me, but it wouldn't. Um, I I just think the I think the urgency is so much less now because there isn't that internal option. Like you needed a space for Acuña to play. That was a priority. Yes. Marquegas being a one year contract for $11 million, are they really going to go out and get somebody meaningfully better at a reasonable cost? That's really the question. Like, you have to have a plan. You wouldn't just dump Marquegas for nothing uh, in terms of like paying all of his salary to go away. Now, that's probably what you'd have to do, or at least pay most of his salary to have him go away. You wouldn't do that unless you had a plan to fill that spot. That's my whole thing.
0: Yeah. And there's not, I mean, Again, I mean, he's not great unless I mean, unless, unless, is, unless they really think that Lane Adams uh, no. could play every day. But that doesn't seem likely, yeah, right? You don't so, you yeah. don't
1: move off Markakis for one year and at, at real cost. It's not like you're just cutting a guy who makes no money and having him go away. Like Lane Adams is not. And again, I like Lane Adams, but he is not the kind of player where you you have to move off of Markakis to get him get him more playing time. That's not that's, that's not a thing.
0: Especially with you know all the money being taken on, I don't see them like signing somebody. I mean, you know, to to go do that. So I think I
1: think I think it'd have to have a like the only way that makes sense is if you go trade for Christian Yelich or somebody like that. Like it's a real spot. Oh, don't
0: don't oh, be still my heart. Don't. I understand. Don't, I mean, it's don't, on don't, the, don't tease
1: me. I want to always talk about not, just a, not necessarily only Yelich, but that's the only way it makes sense is if you find a guy who is like a real long term part of your team that you can go trade for. I guess or sign. I mean, free agency is more. Um, treacherous, to be honest with you, but Yelich is the is the popular name out there, so I'm just going to use him as the example. That would be a reason to get off to get off Markekes, is that you just have a deal in place or a deal that's possible to go get a guy like Yelich who you obviously have to play every day, and then you still have a and like, all right, now you're now you're out of spot, so move off of Markekes in any way possible. That
0: I'm getting heart palpitations thinking about an Acuna Yelich Inciarte. Oh, I've Tals, been I've
1: been there for two days. Um, I'm not. I'm, it's not going to happen. I don't think. I think it's very unlikely that the Braves are going to pull that off. But um, even if it's not Yelich, it'd have to be somebody in that mold that you really think is a long term starter for you in order to like have this urgency to move on Marquez. If somebody wants to trade for Marquez and actually just trade for him and not make the Braves pay all of his salary, that's a different argument. I, just, sure. I don't see that. I don't see that really happening though.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the Braves have entertained the idea of training of trading Marquez for a little while now. And if they had that sort of, sort of trade partner in place, or at least someone that that would be interested, that would have already happened. Um, so yeah, it's. Yeah, it's
1: it, I mean, that's again. I, I think if you ask me now what the percentage was in terms of Marquez being on on the team in April, I would say it's eighty percent.
0: I think I'm seventy or eighty. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. like. It wouldn't blow me away if he was gone, but now that Kemp has gone, I always thought Marquez was going to be easier to move, and I thought that's probably what they would do. But I'm I'm very pleased because Kemp was mm-hmm. always a bigger priority for me because of 2019. It's, you know, it comes down to the fact that, I mean, some of the I think you know consternation we talked about this a little bit earlier is that people thought that the Braves might be competing in 2018. There's no reason they couldn't do that now. If you thought they could that they, that they could before, there's no reason that they, that they couldn't now. I, I, I was never there anyway, but 2019 is always a bigger deal to me than 2018. In terms of actually competing, um, the Nationals have a bunch of free agents that year. Without getting too deep into it, in 2019, there's the division suddenly opens up a little bit if Bryce Harper's available and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, 2018, the team can be better. I, I expect them to be better. There's no question about that. It's just going to be an interesting um, sort of balancing act to not hurt yourself long term. What you don't want to be doing now is signing your next Marquez contract and giving out a four or five year deal to a guy who won't be someone you want in two or three years. That's what you want to avoid now.
0: Uh, i I agree with that. Um, I'm trying to think of how I would phrase it. I think that the Braves will have some interesting choices to make, not just preseason this year because but also kind of at the trade deadline this year. If you I mean we, we kind of know what we have with CRT, Freddie Freeman. Um, but we don't really know what we have with Julio Tehran. We don't we don't really know what we have with some of the young guys yet because Ozzie Albee's had a great debut and if he continues that trajectory, you know, you know, things could get really interesting, especially if Dansby Swanson rebounds because Dansby in particular was supposed to be, you know, a real contributor on both sides of the ball and he wasn't last year. He had he had his moments, but overall, especially with his like the one of the worst starts you can imagine, you know, he it wasn't good. And if he rebounds and is let's just say a good shortstop, then all of a sudden the Braves could theoretically be more competitive than we thought. And so what does that mean for the choices that the Braves make at the trade deadline, especially when you consider, you know, the, the free agent period that's coming up, you know, after that season, because I, I think we agree that the Braves are going to do, try to do something exciting, you know, in that free agent market. But it's not like there, there are, there are a lot of really good players, but there's not like, it's not such a surplus where every team is going to get an amazing new guy. You know no,
1: what I mean? No, listen, free agency, the guys who you really, really want, obviously, are the blue chippers. And those guys, the money is just wild. So, like, I, it's going to take the Braves doing something that, 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 they have ne- that they've never done in the Liberty era to get any of the guys that people really are excited about. Your Bryce Harper's, your Manny Machados. Those guys that, that, are going to take $300, $400 million contracts. In the free agent market, they're they're just going to do that, and I'm not saying the Braves can't or won't do that because, as we talked about before, their books are so clean now for 2019 that they actually, really could get in the bidding for a guy like that, Um, but they just haven't done it since they changed ownership and since the money became bigger than than it is now. I mean, as big as it is now in the Ted Turner era, the Braves had one of the biggest payrolls in the league, but that's not this. Like you know, the Braves are already at at 100 plus million now. They go down, of course, next year probably into a more reasonable range, but do they want to go give the 10-year, $450 million contract to Bryce Harper? I'm not sure that's going to be a thing that they're going to do. I mean, they might. We'll see.
0: Yeah, and the Bryce Harper thing is a bigger problem because, I mean, I say a bigger problem, but Braves fans really do hate him. Like I,
1: I, I, I've never been that guy, honestly. Part of that is probably the fact that I am, a, I am still a Braves fan in a... In a way that is uh, is passionate, and I can get like a you know, I get, I get crazy like fans do, but I think probably because of the fact that I cover sports a little bit more, my like individual hatred of players is gone. I don't really hate players anymore, I'm mean, even rival players. Like, I hate rival teams still, um, but players individually, it's tougher for me. And Harper's just so good. Like, I understand why people don't like him. It's the persona, it's the hair. He's got the whole thing going where you wouldn't like a guy. I just, I don't have that reaction to him like I I wish he wasn't on the Nationals because he's very good at baseball and I don't want the Nationals to, to succeed when the Braves are not succeeding but you're right though a lot of Braves fans would hilariously be upset if the Braves signed Bryce Harper because I don't know why you wouldn't want a guy who's that good at baseball but I do understand the whole like we don't like that guy thing and it would be not the Braves way Eric to sign Bryce Harper. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, I, I really, I, I really, it, so. I really, really hate that phrase. I really, Every, really everybody do.
1: does that makes any sense. But no, I, I'm with you. I, I'm, I, I'm sure that's what it is when it comes to my my lack of hatred for players. It's just because I talk to professional athletes, and you know, there guys. You don't. There, there are certainly guys you like and don't like when you have to deal with players um, and stories sure. to hear and all that fun stuff. But unless I know something personally about someone that I don't like or has someone who's wronged me, I just don't have that sort of like sports hate of players anymore. I don't know why that is, but it's just kind of the case. Well,
0: uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure I can think of a couple New England Patriots players that would kind of give you a certain revulsive well, reaction. Maybe,
1: but the thing is, without going too deep into this, you know, Tom Brady's like my favorite player of all time. He's a Michigan guy. I mean that, that, uh, that's that okay that's hard. Okay, that's desperately. But uh you know, there was at least like the half percentage point of me that was like, you know, I love Tom Brady, so yeah. I don't know. Bryce Harper would not be my number one guy. Let's let's just say that it would be somebody that I still hate. That you're, you're right though. It'd probably be somebody that I still hated from college, like some Ohio State guy that I just always hated, that I still hate. But
0: I I will say a, a hilarious tweet that I did see. Uh, I, I generally keep my Twitter followers like fairly curated just because I don't like to make my my social media a, you know life to be miserable. I did see a tweet from someone that said, "Why would you sign Manny Machado when you have Austin Riley coming up?" And I'll say that I'll say this to that. I love Austin Riley a lot. I, I truly do. I think he. Could, I I think that he could bring a lot to a baseball field. If the Braves can sign Manny Machado, sign me up.
1: I mean, right if the Braves can trade for Manny Machado. I would. There's there's some there's some peril to that because he's he, apparently he's not. Yeah, he's, I, I'm I'm less sure on about resigning, but
0: yes, yes, see I'm 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 less on that train just because I'm. I would not pay the top fun.
1: dollar, but because of the fact that. The Orioles have made it known. Always, he's made it known that he's uh, the Orioles are not going to give him time to negotiate. Um, maybe the price comes down and it becomes a more reasonable move to make. I'm with you though that you'd have to have some level of confidence or willingness to pay him. Like if you're if you're if you're making that deal, if you're Anthopolis, you have to go to Liberty and say, "All right, we can't pay this guy now, but I mean, are we comfortable paying this guy three hundred million dollars next summer? I mean, next winter? Because if you're not, then don't trade for him."
0: Yeah, and I'm skeptical of trading for any Scott Boris client because he always Fair finds point. a way to get some crazy contract that you know brings in some mystery team or has like all of a sudden he signs with the Nationals or something. You know what mystery I mean?
1: Mystery team. I love mystery team. Yeah. So I want the Braves to become mystery team at some point in the near future, they I mean, haven't done it in a while, and it's uh it's, sad it's not- to me because I enjoy my, I enjoy mystery team. Um. Well, I, I mean, I guess we we probably covered the trade. In every way that we possibly could at this point, aside from like trying to project what Scott Kazmir is going to be, because good luck with that. Um, but we talked yep. about Gonzalez, McCarthy, Casmir, Culberson, the Acuna angle, all that fun stuff. So in the end, I think, we talk, I think it's probably pretty clear that we'd like this trade. But this is an A for me. I, there's not really any downside whatsoever. Like there really, there just isn't. Even if none of these guys do anything, if Brandon McCarthy gets hurt tomorrow and can't pitch this season, I will like the trade still. It wouldn't matter if none of those guys pitch an inning or play an inning this year. Of course, less than the value a little bit if McCarthy just no shows, but I'm still good with it.
0: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm fine with it. Again, it's if it moves money around. If if it was just merely numbers on a page, I'd I'd still be pleased with it. So yeah,
1: that's and that's. I mean, I understand that there's there's an aversion to thinking like that from some more casual uh, throwback fans, and I and I get that. but even as we talked about earlier, just I mean, you, it's mostly you talking about it. But even if you just told me, you know, take all the money off the board, and you're basically trading Matt Kemp for Brandon McCarthy for next year, I would do that. Like, yeah. that's, that's just what it is. I mean, you just take take the salary away, take all of the all the applications away, just baseball wise, you're trading Matt Kemp for Brandon McCarthy, a chance at Scott Kazmir, Charlie Culberson, and. That's a positive trade. Matt Kemp is not good at baseball. Like he he does some things well, but the overall package of Matt Kemp is a negative one. And throwing the Acuna angle, it becomes an absolute no brainer. It just is.
0: Yep. It was a, it was it was definitely a good day. It was a it was a surprise to be sure. It was yeah. I was stunned.
1: By the way, it didn't leak at all, which is kind of impressive. Like it was announced when the trade was announced.
0: Yep. It just happened. That just doesn't there was no there was often. no. There was no, hey, the Dodgers are interested in Matt Kemp, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It was which I mean again, it probably speaks to the fact that, you know, Alex Anthopoulos has that built in relationship those with the Dodgers. Are, those
1: guys are friends. Like he just worked yeah. there, like two minutes ago. So Yeah, he's like, Hey,
0: I'm it's you and I talking. This isn't like, you know, me talking to your staff and vetting guys. I know who you have, you know this guy. Does the money work? Does this make sense? Yep, and And, it makes sense
1: for everybody. It's a win for all teams. I mean, most times trades aren't wins for everybody, but this one, this one certainly was. um, To be yeah, I mean,
0: it gave the Dodgers what they wanted too. It's not like they fleeced the Dodgers. The Dodgers got what they wanted out of it. Yeah, their
1: their whole thing was avoiding was avoiding the tax, and they're going to do that. So, yeah, and we'll see what happens to Matt Kemp. I mean, I'm not going to follow that story breathlessly to see where he lands, but it's something to monitor. You know, Brace Fence always have attachments to guys who played here, and uh, he'll be somewhere playing. I would uh, hope. I kind of hope for his sake that he that he gets DFA'd and can go to, the, go to the American League and become like a platoon DH and be useful. Because I, I don't want him to have to play defense. That's basically what it comes down to. It, it pains me to watch him play defense. It really does.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I, I'm, I have a feeling he'll get his chance to do that. So
1: Yeah, I think so too. All right, before we get out of here, a couple of just little things to hit on. Really just mostly one thing. The Rule 5 draft was going to be the headliner of this podcast, which is hilarious because the winter, <laughs> the winter meetings usually uh, produce something, and they really didn't. It didn't. The move didn't happen until after everybody came home. From Orlando, but the Rule Five Draft did happen. The Braves uh, got to keep Travis DeMerritt and Dustin Peterson, among others, uh, and they and the Braves added and Yellow. I'm sure that's probably not the right way to say it. And Yellow Gomez, a pitcher. So, uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, Young Mister Gomez because uh, he's the newest uh, member of the 40 man roster?
0: I mean, you know, he's a he's a two pitch reliever. You know, fastball kind of. I I had heard that he was kind of like low to maybe touching mid nineties, but you know, Matt seemed to think that his velocity had been up and he was actually heading more towards that like n- mid nineties to even like ninety seven range with his fastball. Has uh, put up really good results in the minors. You know, had a sub two ERA through like multiple levels last year. Seemed like he figured something out. He is twenty four, so it's entirely possible he was just kind of getting a little more age, and you know, is kind of had just had more. Wiles to him, I guess, just in terms of being able to get guys out. But it's been really has always been just really kind of done the things that you like in terms of like you know limiting got you know opponent batting average against him. And he, I mean, is he going to be like a difference maker in the bullpen? I would wager probably not. But you know, it's not like a crazy thought that you know he comes into he comes into the bullpen and you know actually you know, puts up legitimately decent numbers, especially when you consider the fact that the competition in the bullpen right now isn't exactly stellar. Uh he's been really good against Yeah, you know, uh, he's been really good against righties historically, so, you know, that's something that'll be nice for the Braves to have as opposed to just, you know, hoping that some guys will, you know, their you know, <laughs> their uh you know their their motley crew of guys will figure out some way to get, you know, three right handers in a row out. Um he, he has value, uh and he is a decent option to pick in a rule five draft Uh, he's not like a super exciting arm like throws 100 but can't throw straight those type of players Um, so overall i mean i'm I'm perfectly fine with the move uh but at the same time i wouldn't be like shocked if like he comes in the spring training and maybe struggles and gets offered back either he's kind of like not a guy that i'm like banking on you know sticking
1: it's weird because i mean obviously you know more about him than i do but This is a guy who's almost 25 and has two innings above AA in his career. He pitched two innings last year with the the Yankees AAA Club. He was very good in 2017 at four different levels. Um, His numbers were were, were good everywhere, but um, not necessarily the guy you would have Predicted the Braves to pick up, but you know there's some positive indication. I've, I've read a lot of stuff, as much not as much as you have, I'm sure. But there's a guy who I seem to like the profile of when I when I read about him and when I see the numbers, all that fun stuff. But you kind of don't know till you see him at this level because he's not yeah, that the, young either. It's it's sort of weird. Yeah,
0: you, yeah, you have to think that the this is a kind of the, the Braves scouting department saying, "Hey, we really saw something with this guy, and there's no risk with it, right?" I mean, you you paid no. you paid a hundred thousand dollars for the pick, and. If you if it doesn't work out, you can offer him back, and they can take they can take him back for fifty thousand dollars, and you know. And if they don't take that, then you you didn't lose anything by by, by making the move. No, it's a move um, that you
1: make every every time. If you if you if you like the guy, and there's reasons to like him. I mean, that, there's a lot of stuff yeah. to like there. So I don't think it was ever going to blow anybody away. But if you if you can somehow find a quality bullpen option in the middle the innings with this guy, that'd be a huge win. Absolutely. So it's sort of a no-brainer, you know. Demerit and Peterson, the shine is off of both those guys in certain ways. Demerit, I think a lot of Braves fans still really like and uh, can see the power and the defense. Um, Peterson's really slowed down, and aside from Scott Coleman, I don't think anybody's still in love with Dustin Peterson. Um, but yeah, any thoughts on on those guys slipping through and actually being able to come back? I know it was. Uh, I wouldn't say I was surprised that they both made it through, but I was a, I was a little bit sort of perked up when I saw that neither one of them picked.
0: Um, whenever it was first kind of announced who the Braves were protecting, it, it was a little bit eye opening because they didn't protect Dustin Peterson or, or uh, Travis Demerit because it was just kind of, it was almost assumed that they were just going to be around, you know, on the, on the 40 man uh, and protected, and they weren't. Uh, but almost immediately, JJ Cooper t- tweeted at us as like, there's n- almost no chance that either one of those guys will get picked in the Rule 5 draft. And there's a few reasons for that. The Rule 5 draft is very often for, like, relievers, uh, may, maybe, like, a high ceiling, but, like, real risk starter. Uh, the position players get picked, but not a terrible amount. And the problem with, like, you know, Dustin Peterson, he did not look good in AAA, uh, had, a, like, a couple okay stretches, but he had that wrist injury from, from early on in spring training. Uh, he never really came back from that, and... You know, I, you know, I've I've kind of been on record as not been being particularly high on him. I'm not saying he's like a bad baseball player. I'm just not saying he's a necessarily a good one either. And I kind of see him more as a fourth outfielder type, just because I don't see him having a carrying tool to begin with. And his three year at AAA didn't really help matters. Um, Travis D'Amore, on the other hand, has real carrying tools. You know, he has real power. He can run, uh, and he can and he can you know field at least certain positions, but in particular second second base. But he, you know. Has just not been able to make consistent contact at all. The strikeout problems are very real, and he had real like stretches last year where he was just almost an automatic out. Um, yeah, he has he has real potential, but he's not a guy that you know you can really rely on. Even to, and if you have any sort of interest in getting maximum value out of your forty man slots, that's a tough. That's a tough. That's a tougher decision than. Maybe I gave it credit for it to begin with. I just assumed that maybe he would, at the very least, get a get a spot on the, on the Braves forty man because he has upside. But it it didn't really happen that way, and the scouting reports on him have not been very good. And he didn't really pass the eye test in a lot of ways last year. I will say this though that because of those carrying tools, I mean, I, I there are those amongst you know the minor league staff here is that you know there's still things to like about him, and there are guys on the minor league side, that like him more than I do. So...
1: And, but I mean, if you wanted to be optimistic, if you were trying to be optimistic about him, you know, his his strikeout rate did fall last year. It was an incredibly high before that, but it did fall a little bit in a bigger sample at AA, and his bad bet was pretty unlucky. 293 bad bet after basically being in the mid-300s the last few years before that. So... If you wanted to be optimistic on him, you probably could talk yourself into it. But there are some issues. But the t- it's it's all about tools. I mean, we kind of know that at this point. And uh, I think people got really excited when they started hearing all about his defense. I think it was Keith Law sort or of leading the charge there about how good he had been defensively.
0: Uh, Eric Loggenhagen, too. Yeah. Yeah,
1: those guys are. I mean, it's and it's. Listen, I mean, he's only twenty three. There's some upside there, but there's also some some real some real downside. He's he's a, he's a he's a, uh, a lottery ticket. But if you, the perfect version of him as a super power hitting. Um, quality the defen- quality defensive uh, infielder. That that does sort of perk you up a little bit, but also it could end, it could end really badly. He could be uh, the bad version of Dan Ugla which you wouldn't love. Um, but that's no, that- by the way, I heard that comp with him a little bit, and it was like uh, uh, basically somebody. I think I can't remember who actually said this. It was somebody smart um, that said he was a good defending Dan Ugla I was like, okay, that's an awesome player. Sign me up for that. Um, but of course Dan Uglo was like legitimately good at the plate for, until he died. Um, so I don't know. That was probably the most optimistic view imaginable was because if Dan Uglo was a good defender in his prime, he would have been like a seven win player. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure about all that, but yeah, I don't know. Demerit's interesting. I think Pe- he's more interesting than Peterson. I think Peterson's, uh, his, uh, baseline outcome is much higher. I think we kind of know what Peterson is, He's just kind of a guy. Which is nothing wrong with that, but I think fourth outfielder is probably his ceiling at this point in time. Whereas Demerit, if he pops, it could really be scary. But if he, is that's also a guy that we may never never hear from again in like a year, like he might just be gone and like get moved out of the organization, we'll just not hear from him again. So it's a volatile thing. But yeah, not not terribly surprising as you laid out there. Just more noteworthy than anything. But those guys are still around. They'll get another year, and we'll see how that how that how that goes out in 2018
0: i mean and there and there were a few relievers in the brave system that had a chance of being selected but again it's it's it was just kind of unlucky i mean guys like caleb dirks for example or even a like a tyler pike uh were guys that you know had some reliever profiles that if a team was getting a you know feeling a little frisky they could have you know made taken a flyer on but there's a there's just so many of those guys that exist in every organization uh and you know the Braves didn't lose any players in rule five so that that's quote unquote great news um but, you know, the Rule 5 draft, for the most part, obviously there are some, like, big success stories, Jose Batista and our own Ender Enciarte being kind of the ones that headline those discussions generally. But for the most part, I mean, Rule 5 guys aren't big impact guys, so it's not something to get super up or down about, I guess, is the best way I would put it.
1: Yep, that's absolutely right. Um, last thing before we get out of here, man. Uh, did you see the uh, quote? Uh, quotes, I should say, from Brad Snicker by analytics, because these sort of made the rounds. They were explained away in some instances. Um, but in short, um, his his quote alone, without context, did not make it seem great, because uh, if you just read the quote, it basically seemed like Snicker had never heard of analytics before <laughs> until this year, which I know is not true, so don't nobody yell at me about this. But did, did you see that whole storyline and what you think of uh, Snicker? Uh, apparently, uh, at least embracing analytics more, whether that be the way that it was presented to him originally under the previous front office, or what, but it seems like at least he and Anthropos are somewhere on the same page, and Snicker is getting excited about the numbers for the first time.
0: I think that in terms of analytics, I mean, obviously there was some... There are reasons to be concerned to a casual observer that maybe the decisions that were being made were not having a strong analytical background, I guess is the best way I would put it. But I can also see it where how that information is communicated matters a lot. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, there, where, that's there, there, why I said
1: there, that. It'd be easy to pile on Snicker, and I'm guilty of that at times. Like, I know he wasn't he, saying he's never seen analytics before. I know that. It was just kind of a funny a funny punchline. Um, but yeah, I I know he's never – I'm sure he's been told this stuff before. It might just be the way that it's been communicated.
0: Well, yeah. I mean if you just give uh, you know a guy who's like a, a baseball lifer – who, you know, has always looked at the game as a certain way, and like if you, for example, just handed him a pile of databases, you know, and like you know, you know, pitch charts and stuff like that, it's it's daunting and it's not particularly useful for a guy that, you know, for better or for worse, he, he, he the guy has a lot of things to do and to manage beyond just like what he does on the, you know, on the field during games. There's you know like, and to be able to digest all that information it has to be done in a condensed in a condensed and useful way, and I think that while i understand people saying you know like oh wow snickers acting like he's never heard of analytics before i also understand that the way in which that information is communicated and that and compiled and saying hey in this situation it, this is the most likely s- scenario so this would probably be the best, the best thing to do and having that information communicated clearly i think that it was that, that was the general idea at the same time I, I can't speak to what how things were communicated last year versus this year, uh, and you know, in terms of his you know his biases or differences one way or the other. Because I mean, the, even some of the decisions that we weren't liking in terms of lineup construction and in terms of bullpen decisions and things like that. There's a lot. We we know that there were issues in the front office, right? And that maybe some of those decisions in terms of like you know what we want to audition a player in certain situations or you know trying to enhance a guy's value. Or trying to, you know, give a guy against a chance, a guy a chance against a guy he's maybe had success against in the past, or you know, seeing something in practice. There's not something. It's not a perfect science, and anal- analytics is not going to be the the best answer to every situation. But I also think that it feels like it's likely that this year the Braves are going to make a concerted effort to get this information to him and to Walt Weiss, who. My understanding is that he has some experience in kind of getting that information and using it, you know, using it effectively when he was previously a manager. Uh, whether or not those Rocky teams were any good when he was a manager is a completely different, art, you know, discussion. But, you know, at the very least, getting that information to them in a way that is useful to them in games that they they can interpret well and quickly, I, I think matters. And I think that's kind of what that what's up that conversation was supposed to be. Unfortunately, it did kind of turn into you know a rehashing of a lot of the reasons why people weren't necessarily big fans of snicker so
1: yeah and i'm by the way i still feel that way i think it's uh it was at least eye-opening to see all of that even if you try to add context to it it's still a guy who doesn't necessarily have that background and until until i see it uh, it's not even all about i'm just some of it's just common sense stuff to be honest with you at this point in time some of it's not even analytics it's like you know on base percentage that's not that's not that's not an analytic that kind of stuff like there's certain things that are that go beyond that or they're actually easier um but yeah i mean i'm still very skeptical of snicker if you ask me if i thought he'd make it through the season i'm gonna tell you no um and that's not all because of anthopolis or anything that has to do with snicker it's just that he's on a one-year contract and uh you know i think anthopolis probably wants to hire his own guy at some point that's probably that's probably where i would go with this maybe not we'll see um, but, you know, that's just that's, it's a conversation for another day, but I, I thought it was worth bringing up because of the fact that it sort of made the rounds this week and people were poking fun at Snicker. I'm, I'm all about that, honestly. It's something that I, I do on a regular basis, but I, actually will, I, I will somewhat defend what he said um, in the fact that I'm sure it was uh, more nuanced than the uh, ha-ha, he doesn't understand the latest crowd wanted to make it, even if I was part of that crowd.
0: <laughs> fair enough
1: <laughs> it is what it is well uh eric anything else you want to get out there man i know it's been an interesting weekend the week before it actually was kind of boring but the weekend was fun so anything that we missed that you want to hit on or anything you want to tell people that uh, they can find you all that fun stuff
0: uh, i mean you can follow me at, at leprechaun with a k on twitter uh, where i'm tweeting about minor league stuff uh, a, little, a little quieter this time of year just because one it's just not a whole lot to talk about i can i can only tweet ronald acuna stats so often uh, before people start wondering if I'm if I'm actually stalking the guy, um, or Mike Soroka for that matter too, I'm I'm guilty on both of those counts. But uh, you can also follow uh, the podcast that we do We're fairly re- more regularly than we have been over the last couple months uh, at Road the Number Two Atlanta uh, Road to Atlanta is a podcast that's solely for the minor leagues in the uh, specifically the Braves. Uh, we've been doing a lot of having a lot more guests on recently. We had Dan Zimborski on. Uh, there is a currently. <laughs> basically a currently lost interview with lane adams uh where <laughs> that is currently on rob's laptop which is at the moment dead but we're going to get that up soon as well uh we've interviewed max Fried. we're going to have some more guys on too i've uh, already got a few other people in mind and we're kind of working out the details with that so this is it's going to be a fun offseason kind of talking to players and people in the industry to talk prospects and just kind of talk about various topics and things like that so that's going to be a lot of fun also i'm currently fiddling around with some video stuff, uh, possibly doing some, possibly doing some short form video content. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be anything, not going to be, especially to start with, it's not going to be anything earth shattering, but it's just kind of getting to a different, different, uh, version of media for me. Uh, and it's probably really just going to be YouTube videos, which makes, you know, embedding them into, you know, our editor talking chop and other places, make it a lot easier just to share that sort of stuff. But it should be interesting. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm still kind of figuring out exactly how to do all that stuff and do it, you know, to a standard that i'm happy with but other than that i mean the biggest thing for us in the next week or two uh it's list season so top 30 list is going to be out soon uh we already got iterations from uh, i got i haven't checked yet but at least half the guys have already put in their their preliminary top 30s before we start kind of doing the composite and actually doing the write-ups and putting them up uh it's been really weird what writing a talking uh chop podcast uh, prospect list rather uh without ozzy albys on it it's the first one that actually I have been since I've been at Talking Shop. This is gonna be the first list that doesn't have him on it, and that is, it, it, it's definitely bittersweet. I kind of feel like I've lost one of my kids, but, um, you know, it's it's still but still a really fun process. A lot of interesting names and interesting guys to talk about, and I'm already seeing some things that is gonna make this list look pretty interesting based on where my I have guys ranked versus how where some other guys have things ranked. It's gonna it's gonna end up being looking like a pretty interesting list, but it's also you know. Whenever we come up with that finished composite, and we kind of, you know, adjust things here and there, it ends up being a list that we're proud of. So I'm sure it's going to be the same way this year.
1: That, my friends, is a tease, and I appreciate that in a big way from Eric.
0: Tease Um, spoilers. (laughs) Ronald Acuna is going to be the number one prospect. I I, I I am
1: stunned by that in a big way. Um, But is he going to be the number one prospect in baseball? Like for most people, I'm assuming he will be. Or is that Uh, that given?
0: It's it's not a given because there 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 are I mean there are a few guys that are in like the con- I mean some people really like Eloy Jimenez I mean Glabor Torres it kind of got forgotten a little bit because he had you know he had an elbow injury but he's there's a lot of, a lot of the things that you like about Ronald Acuna there's guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jordan Jr. Uh, Jimenez Gleber Torres those are guys who are really really good prospects uh, and plus I'm not sure if you're aware but sh- Otani just got signed and is he a
1: prospect.
0: I I don't know how to I don't even know how to begin how to answer that question.
1: Let's not talk about it. But it's just yeah. he's not a prospect. That, that's here's, here's my hot take. Not a prospect.
0: I, I I have a feeling that will be a source of contention on multiple lists. Oh, I'm,
1: it I'm sure it will be. But when the I, mean, I am glad I
0: do not have to make that decision. Let me put it that way.
1: Here's a, here's a, here's just my, my nugget of information for everybody trying to make this decision. Not a prospect. Let's we'll just leave it there. Not a prospect.
0: Hector Oliveira was a prospect for like God, two-thirds of it.
1: that was the dumbest thing. Anyway, I can't even talk about Hector Oliveira without getting mad. So let's not do this, Eric. <laughs> uh, the Alex Wood era continues in Los Angeles, and he's still good at baseball. So that went well. Um, well, thank you, man, hey, for well, – uh, Now, <laughs> to ahead. be
0: fair, if we think about let, – let, let, let's follow this, Shane. We traded for Hector Oliveira. Oh,
1: I'm here for this. Let's do it.
0: And then we traded for Matt Kemp. We did. And then we traded away Matt Kemp. That's true. Which – which gives us the ability to sign players in 2019.
1: We traded Alex Wood for To be able to, to basically Scott we traded Casimir. Alex Wood for
0: We 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 basically traded Alex Wood for Manny Machado. Uh
1: yes. <laughs> if Manny Machado signs in 2019, someone will write Hold that. on.
0: Okay, hold on. What 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 episode it's 96, right? Yeah, we'll All be right. at
1: like 140 something by then, I'd imagine. But uh, in theory, in, theory, in yeah. theory, if I continue to do this for another year, um, but yeah, it's uh, somebody will write that. So let, we should probably just not put, post this on the podcast and say this for, as content for ourselves. For you, you can write this this post in in December of twenty eighteen.
0: No, I, no, no I, I want the people to know. Making that I argument, want, I want the people to know.
1: <laughs> Someone will do that. It might be it might be like Tomahawk takes somebody that is really brings the heat on certain things. I guess I'm talking about you guys on the internet, folks. Uh, somebody will do that, and I will laugh heartily, and I will I will hope they will hat tip you on that idea.
0: Uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll also gently point them to you know some of the things that have been said and written over there too. So
1: <laughs> Alex Wood Alex Wood died so the Braves could sign Manny Machado. That'd be that's a heck of a, that's a heck of a headline. I might I might do it. I might write that right now just in preparation. Just have it <laughs> saved in drafts. <laughs> just for twelve months. <laughs>
0: 12, a 12-month 12 draft save, just preparing yourself for
1: that. I've done it before. I mean, crazier things have happened. Anyway, all right, man. Well, we're rambling at this point, but I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Thank you, Eric, for joining me on the show, as always.
0: It was a lot of fun, man. It's always good having me. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. That would be great if you do that for us on Apple Podcasts, especially leave us some five-star feedback, help us to grow the show, as well as checking out TalkingChop.com, where Eric writes, where I write occasionally. Uh, following us, do all that fun stuff. I'm, a, I'm at BT Roland. Also the, sh- the show and the podcast and the site are at, are at Talking Chop on Facebook and on to- at Talking Chop on Twitter. So follow us all those places. We'll see you guys probably not next week because it's Christmas Eve on Sunday. So I'll probably take the week off unless something actually happens. And then we'll, we'll reconvene somewhere in the very near future. Uh, probably a little bit of a break here because of the holidays. But if something happens, I promise we'll, we'll do a podcast and break it down. Uh, especially if it approaches the Matt Kemp level of trade. If there's a trade or a signing that actually matters, we'll we'll be here, I promise. So we'll see you guys. uh, Brad will be
0: here. Brad will be
1: here. Well, Eric (laughs) might be here, but uh, Eric might be here. I will be here to be sure. And if I can beg Eric or Scott or or Garab or somebody to come on talk with me on Christmas Day when the Braves make a deal, that'll be what happens. So uh, thank you as Uh, always, my friend. And we'll uh, see you guys uh, maybe next week, but certainly sometime before now in mid-January. We know the in January. We'll talk